fake facts from the Geek Out Heroes. All right, real fake fact. <laughs> this might be a repeat. I'm not sure. In the past, people who couldn't read or write would make their mark with an X or something of that nature. And that's also how runes came about. You said runes? Runes. <laughs> runes. Just fucking draw something. I don't care. We came up with one last night that I was laughing my ass off about, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, uh, yeah, we I know what you're talking about. And, I was trying to remember. Yeah, we were fucking, in, fucking around in uh, Power Washer Simulator. I think all of us have been fucking around in the game. Yeah, I don't remember. I yeah, know what you're talking about. Like, I just can't I'll remember it down. specifically. These are the things that, like, the, this is the things that, that piss me off is the fact, like, we'll think of something really fucking creative and we'll forget to write it down. And I am notorious for this shit. Like we'll have a conversation and we will think of something hysterical and I will be like, all right, I got to remember that for the podcast. And then the next day is the fucking podcast. And I'm like, I didn't write it down. I'm a jackass. <laughs> As, uh, I was sitting there laughing to myself remembering the, uh, the comment I made when we were watching the, the James May, uh, our man in Italy show. Yeah. The, uh, with the, uh, uh, perfume guy. <laughs> You're like, it was the, what was the most obscure thing that somebody's made you make a smell of? You're like, gal wanted me to make a smell that was blood in a barn. I'm like, well, that's strangely <laughs> specific. Do you have anything in murdered shopkeeper? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Listeners, you have to watch that show for that to be in context, but it's pretty funny. Trust me. Yeah. I didn't realize it came out, so I'll probably be watching it probably that night. Yeah. Yeah, so far it's a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't <clears throat> say it's as entertaining as the Iron Man in Japan, Japan, but it's still fun. No, but when you yeah, get that's... to the Parmesan part, remember me. <laughs> I was about to say the uh, the snowball episode in Japan was fantastic. Yeah, that is that is my back rooms. In the early years of the 21st century, the Geek Out Heroes had become the most ineffective podcast entity in the United States. 29 out of every 30 homes did not know they existed or even care what they had to say. Their intellectual and humorous influence couldn't be felt anywhere. For their public, they are the voice of reason and sanity for a world gone stupid. Over time, unknown even to themselves, their message was beginning to spread like a virus, infecting the ears and minds of those fed up with the bullshit. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. And Miles. Anderson. All right. So, listeners, we have uh, a couple things to talk about this uh, this week. But uh, there's uh, one thing I wanted to let you guys know is that uh, companies don't care about you. Like, I just want to remember. I just want you to remember that. Like, companies really don't care about you. They don't care about anything else other than making money. So they'll do whatever they think they need to do in order to continue making that money flow. And if you're wondering why a lot of the companies that you 
got your entertainment from or anything like that aren't really catering towards you anymore or seem to be catering towards people who don't really make them money. Keep in mind the thing that's that's obscured that is really Twitter. And uh, that's kind of what's what's been going on. And I just realized that I don't have any of my uh, stuff turned on because it keeps it kept turning off. So we'll see if this screws up the recording at all. But I can already see my levels jumping compared to what they were at. So listeners, I apologize for the beginning of our podcast where I'm talking because uh, my MIDI and, uh, and everything wasn't wasn't turned on. <laughs> so if you're wondering, why does he sound like shit? Well, that's why. Uh, but it should be on now. It should be fine. Anyways, uh, like I was saying, the companies that you, that you get your entertainment from really don't care about you. And the thing that skews a lot of their opinions of what they should be catering towards is based off of social media. So they'll hear things over and over and over and over and over again about like, Oh, you need to cater towards this, this, and this. And I feel like this is, uh, made me. I don't know. Like you get the SJWs on there most of the time. I mean, the fucking Twitter's a cult, right? So you get people on there who just complain and complain and complain, and they're the ones that they're the loudest voices. And the rest, meanwhile, the rest of us are just like, why don't you just do what you usually have been doing, which has been working for the past forty fucking years, uh, which is cater to the masses. Well, because they think that Twitter actually means something. They think that Twitter actually means that that's their main audience, and they don't really understand that that's not the case. Uh, this is a conversation I used to argue with with uh, PR people about of the of the fact that Twitter doesn't mean anything. It's social media. You're you're mostly listening to people who are the loudest voices because they jumped on there just to fucking bitch. That's one of the one of the main reasons why we jumped off of Twitter is because not only the fact that is it is it fucking you know just destructive to your social outlook on things, but also. It's being used primarily as a blasting platform for you to just say whatever crosses your fucking mind at the time. Look at her. Look at her past president. That's what got him into trouble most of the time was the fact that he would just say random shit that passed it through his mind. It didn't mean anything. Didn't matter if it if it was true or not. He just fucking said it. And while sometimes it might have been funny, other times it kind of pissed people off. And at the same time, you're like, well, that's what everybody else is doing, too. That's what the majority of Twitter is. Yeah, it's not really a way to communicate with people. It's just a way for you to get on there and bitch and moan so yeah i just i just wanted to reiterate that because it, like you're seeing what's going on with marvel marvels you know they they come out with thor love and thunder and well at the time originally i was like yeah i'll give it a chance the rest of the mcu has failed so bad leading up to it that i just went i don't fucking care anymore <laughs> so I, I i have no interest in seeing it now and uh we've seen thor love and thunder like oh it had the best opening weekend for that franchise and that's great uh, if that's actually true numbers, but that's the, the, the funny thing is that's not what counts because what counts is how much money it makes overall. So you can have a, an amazing opening weekend, but you still get trounced the next weekend. It's not good. And that's what's happening with Thor 11 thunder. They've, they've lost, uh, it's a 68% drop in, uh, uh, ticket sales. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge drop for a for an mcu movie uh i mean that's that's a tremendous drop for an mcu movie and that kind of should tell you where people are at right now they're kind of in the same spot of like yeah i don't really care anymore like you guys you guys finished up in game that was great and now you've given us either there's either it's either you've given us too much marvel including tv shows and stuff like that or i don't want to have to have disney plus in order to keep up with that so there's no point in me continuing to dedicate myself to the mcu 
And then there's the third thing of, well, you guys have gone so we need to cater to the, the message, message that I don't care about that either either. So now you've alienated me, so I don't want to go I don't want to go watch it. Uh, cause I don't want to be preached to. So th- those are the kind of scenarios they're in right now of why people aren't watching their movies and why people aren't watching their shows. And, uh, Disney hasn't figured that out yet. They still think that, that Twitter means something and that the idiots who keep licking their asshole actually care about them as well. Never mind the fact that the people who keep licking their asshole don't realize that Disney doesn't give a shit about them. Yeah. They're just there to make money. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're going to, they're going to go with whatever is the mainstream even if it's not actually mainstream, like you said, nothing's been more evident of how these companies don't care about anyone, even the people who are the, the plebes who have been licking their assholes for so long. Then when you had Disney tell everyone who's been, you know, saying, Oh my God, we love the new star Wars and how great it is. And yay representation and stuff like that. And they've been catering to just sucking the asshole of Disney for this long. And loving star wars and suddenly they hate star wars now because suddenly star wars is no longer going to allow media media passes i should say to a majority of the youtubers who have been attending the star wars convention wow lo and and behold disney doesn't care about you and suddenly you have people who have like i've spent thousands of dollars to promote star wars and and i've done all these great things for disney and now they tell me that i can't be that basically i can't come well, no, they're saying that you're going to have to pay a ticket just like everybody else. So congratulations. You're no, you're not a special person in their eyes. You never were a special person in their eyes. And maybe instead of, you know, sucking up to Disney so much, maybe you should have had your own opinion for a lot longer because suddenly their new, their, their real opinions are starting to come out because you've had a couple of YouTubers who are suddenly just like, yeah, Star Wars actually isn't that great. I've been talking up for a long time. And the only reason I've been doing that is because of, you know, I realized that it's because I, I was getting preferential treatment and stuff like that. I was like, dude, you, you were doing it because you wanted to make sure Disney continued to give you the circle jerk, just like you were giving them. And what you didn't realize was that they don't give a damn about you. And since Disney star Wars is, is failing anyways, and their, their numbers are dropping with their, uh, their TV shows. Uh, people are, you know, essentially pulling out of a uh, Disney plus because they're getting tired of Disney's bullshit. Suddenly, they went, oh, well, you're not helping us out any, at all anyways, because uh, our numbers aren't increasing. So we might as well just stop catering to you and we'll just do our own thing regardless. Well, congratulations. You're like the rest of us. Welcome to being the fandom where fans don't matter because we're not the ones they're catering to. Right. And we know that uh, <laughs> and it's one of those things too. you. You backtrack that far and people already know you're a fucking sellout. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's exactly like, it. Your word means shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listeners, this is why some content creators who have been considered, oh, you guys are racist or anything like that, or, you know, basically been blasted for years for just having an opposite opinion are now creating their own stuff. They're now creating their own comic books. They're now creating their own books, their own media, because they're getting tired of seeing the industry that they love being brought down by companies that don't give a shit about any of it. So they're creating their own stuff. So that way it can't be destroyed by these companies. That's so why you had young Ripa who's been who's been promoting his comic book that he's going to be coming out with and why he's been massively funded for that. He was over $3 million and now PayPal has turned around and said, oh, nope, we're not going to we're, we're withholding money because and they haven't even really given him an answer. But I guarantee you it's the same bullshit as last time of the fact is, is that they think he's attached to a racist group 
which is just fucking insane. Literally, you're telling a black man that he's part of a racist group, and that's why you're not going. And, and and it's listeners. It's not like a racist group of like black people who think that they're superior to everybody else. They think he's part of a racist group of of white supremacists. I'm not even kidding. That's that's what he's been labeled with. Man, get the fuck out of here. Come on. Right. So, yeah, I I guarantee you he's he's now having to probably get his lawyers involved with that bullshit, which is going to cost him more money. But I mean, he put over a hundred. I th- I think he said he put over like a hundred thousand dollars of his own cash into that fucking uh, comic book himself just to do it. He was paying artists that used to be with DC and Marvel to to do the artwork for it, and it looks badass from the sheets that he had. And uh, I mean that that's the thing though he. Decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to make my own thing because you guys keep catering to these assholes and you're not making the shit that I want to see as a fan. You're not making the shit that other fans want to see. So I'm going to go and make my own thing. I'm not going to bring in political bullshit. I'm not going to bring in all this other shit. That whole thing is like just been fucking bonkers with that. But I just wanted to bring up the the fact is, you know, that's why I started out with the podcast. Like I wanted to bring up the fact that these companies don't care about you. They don't care about what yeah. your beliefs are. They don't want anybody to they, they don't want anybody to to bring their own ideas of of how things should be because they look at Twitter and go, all right, well, this is how we're going to do things from the right for, for from here on. Yeah. And they think that that's the right way to go. Well, congrats. That's 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 fine. They can feel that's the right way to go. Meanwhile, these other guys who are creators who are making their own shit are just going to bring what the people aren't getting from these companies. There's a reason why comic books are losing to manga right now and they're not losing a manga just in japan they're losing a manga in the united states japan is laughing their ass off at this shit no joke these japanese publishers are just like you guys have got it you guys have got your your shit completely fucked up because right now we are just destroying you and marvel and dc are sitting there going oh we're doing fine in the comic books industry no 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 the majority of your comic books that are selling are comic books that you published that were from japan they're still manga you're just republishing them here in the States. So you're making money off of Japan too. Your own comic books are getting the shit kicked out of them. Hand over fist. No, I mean, you know, granted, we don't watch all of them by any means, but I mean, the vast majority of the uh, anime that we'll watch doesn't have any real wokeness bled into it. You know, yeah, all even- of it's very more or less kind of common sense approach. Yeah. And it it still has things like there that are, that would be considered progressive views of, you know, having strong female characters, having characters that can, you know, defend themselves and they have characters that are, you know, could be considered trans or whatever. And it doesn't try to push those themes on you. It doesn't try to, you know, do like, fuck, we just watched uh, the first episode of Overlord uh, season four last night. And the two characters that are, uh, boy and girl, but the they they're cross dressers essentially. Make the statement of he should you know that the uh their leader should create a law that makes boys dress like girls and girls dress like boys. And he told them no. And the way he the way he told them was that the reason why they're that way is he wanted to make them so, he made them solely unique, and that was for his own uh, enjoyment not to push on other people and he makes the statement of if he did it to other people it, he feels like it would cause uh discourse amongst the amongst the public that they basically should be able to make the choices themselves i was like that's exactly the way it should be that is exactly how 
everything should be seen in the real world. And the fact that they're bringing it up in an anime so that you're not feeling like you're being pushed on this shit or they're not pushing on that stuff means that at some point, one of the either the animators or the creator of the show wanted to point out that, look, I'm not trying to force this on anyone. I'm not trying to make this woke. I'm just trying to make you guys. I'm, I'm just I just have two characters in here who are unique in this way. That's it. And I guarantee you the only reason it got brought up is because somebody else had probably brought up and said, oh, it's woke because of this. And they're like, no, 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 no. We aren't pushing this on anyone. So I was like, well, that's a, that's a great way to that's a great way to look at it. Awesome. I'm completely fine with this. Let's move on. Right. But the difference is, is that when you, if you go into a, a Marvel setting or if you go into any of the other ones that, that Disney, you know, holds uh, power over or Warner Brothers holds power over, they want to make it into an issue and they want it to be like, oh, yeah. So we have to make sure that this person is oppressed and that other people look down on them for it and they have to fight for their right to do this. And you're like, but in reality, the majority of us don't care. They might get some odd looks. Sure. But that's because the rest of the, the if the rest of the population isn't doing something that's different to them, they'll look at it weirdly anyways. Yeah. That's that's just how everyone reacts to anything that is considered abnormal to them. They will look at it as that's weird. But you don't see us turning around and trying to burn people at the stake anymore. Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's all right to have that that impression of, well, that's that's really weird and it's not for me. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, like you said, burn people at the stake. That's where you're crossing the line. And you start taking actions against somebody because they're different. That's when it's yeah. that's when it's an issue. Yeah. And normal people know that. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same way the other way around when, when you're trying to take take something that is considered abnormal and trying to normalize it and force it upon people. Yeah, that's not right either. Those people aren't going to accept it because you're trying to force it on them because suddenly they have to. That's how that's not how things work. The way that you get you get acceptance is by changing people's minds. That's it. I, we've reached some sort, some point of enlightenment of the fact that we're not immediately accusing someone of being a witch. So I think we're good. And these companies take these these themes and go, all right, well, we have to we have to take this and make this into the main subject for an entire comic book. Meanwhile, you have people who are going, I just want to read about superheroes saving people. I want to get away from the real world stuff. You don't need to bring this into it. Oh, well, like you said, though, I mean, they're they're completely fucking misguided because they're going off of social media opinion, which is fueled by bots and people that only speak out due to sensationalism. Yeah. You know, people that are absolutely okay with something aren't fucking going on Twitter. I'm like, I am absolutely okay with this. Can please continue. doesn't happen. You know, yeah. if it's, if it's status quo, if it's something that's good, you, you leave it be. Nobody's fucking ranting and raving about something that meets expectation. Yeah. You know, so, but they, they, they buy into the fucking rage and the sensationalism and that's what generates views and clicks and everything else. So that's what they want to cater to. Yeah. And that's what causes them to make changes like, Oh, it's no longer X-Men. It's now the mutants. Yeah. Cause they're, they're taking it as, Oh, well this is indeed fact. This is indeed what people want to see instead of stepping back and having the realization of like, no, this is a really loud minority and dumb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go with what the people actually want to see. Yeah. Just, so they're they're cutting their own fucking throats when it comes to this shit. 
yeah the 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 whole discussion of like oh x-men is uh, problematic because it's uh considered uh too toxic masculine it's toxic masculinity because it's x-men like that's it's not why they're called x-men has nothing to do with masculinity has nothing to do with them all being men at all if you guys actually read the fucking comic books you know this yeah. but and for those of you who aren't in the know, the reason why they're called the X-Men is because the X-Factor gene that is included in all of their DNA that gives them their abilities. So I actually watched the interview you guys are talking about. Yeah. And it's, you can clearly see that the Disney representative, when she was talking about the plans are, never read a comic and it's purely about agenda now. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's, all, it's all about yeah. catering to an agenda instead of catering to story and catering to fans. and. That's why I wanted, you know, that's why I brought, I brought up the fact that like, if you guys continue, you know, listeners, if you guys continue to support these companies and stuff like that, while they're doing this thing, it's never going to change. It's never going to, yeah, it's yeah. never going to end. So that's why I, I won't get Disney plus anymore. I won't support a company that hates me, that clearly doesn't want me as a fan and will continue to just go down this ridiculous path. I enjoyed the MCU for what it was. I enjoyed the MCU up to Endgame. That was the continuation of what Paramount started. Yeah. After Endgame, there's only one good movie, which is No Way Home. Yeah. That's about it. And uh, and I'm good. I mean, I, I might watch more Spider-Man. We'll see how that goes. But uh, I, I'm done with the MCU. I'm done with these companies. I'm done with, with supporting their bullshit. So that's why, you know, that's why I won't have monthly subscriptions anymore that's you know <laughs> one of the many reasons why i won't have monthly subscriptions anymore but when i saw uh, the uh the the story or whatever about brie larson singing in the next fucking movie oh I was my like, god ah. like that's a terrible fucking decision no thank you I was like, yeah <laughs> i can't stand her yeah. acting like why the fuck would i want to listen to her sing <laughs> yeah her her whole attitude and persona is in in real life is enough for me to just never watch anything she's in. Yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate because I think she did a decent job in, in certain movies. I think she did a great job in uh, Kong skull Island. And yet when I see her every time, I just fucking can't stand her. And it's because of this, it's because of the bullshit and nonsense that she said. Well, yeah, you know, she's a trash human being. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just like it, it's it's not, you know, it's in the same vein. It's not the same severity, but it's in the same vein of why I can't watch shit with Kevin Spacey in it anymore. And like, yeah, you know, he's a piece of trash. Like, and it's it's hard for me to go back and enjoy those movies. Yeah. There's some people that just their their personal life exceeds what is really tolerable. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners with that, uh, I want to move on to, you know, the fact that recently now they are sorry, currently they have Comic-Con going on, right? So it's hard to continue to have any kind of hype around Comic-Con when the companies that hate you are the ones pushing all this shit. So whether or not, like, we'll talk about everything with everything from Comic-Con, uh, I doubt it, but we'll talk about the stuff that actually does excite us. And uh, we'll we'll bring that up. I mean, they had the new Shazam uh, trailer drop. Uh, Shazam looked good. John Wick Four looked good. Yeah, John Wick Four. Absolutely, completely on board for John Wick Four. Can't wait for that. They didn't even have to show anything. They could just said John Wick Four, and I'm going to watch it. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that trailer, man, that act scene sold me. For John Wick? John Wick 4. Yeah, Dude, like that. Like, no, I'm already excited to, for it. Nothing but was like, needed to sell me. Uh, yeah. But I became exceedingly excited when I saw Donnie Yen. Mm. <laughs> or the dude uh, get shot in the face with look with what looked like a dragon round. <laughs> yeah. And he fucking slams that guy's head down, starts just bashing into his head. I was like, God yeah. damn, that guy just got the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> More ass whooping. Yeah. Looks like it's gonna be great. I'm the one of the things I'm really looking forward to it is it's very much insinuated that some time has passed and John has been uh, training and he like he's healed up. He's been training and he's getting back into old form. And if that's the case, I am hoping for what we're going to see is something just a spectacle, you know, that sit back. You're about to see something amazing because it's always insinuated just how much, how incredible John wick used to be when he was in true form. And it's very much implied that throughout the entire series so far, he has not been at true form because he hasn't had time to train. He's just been coming back into it because he's been pulled back in uh, <laughs> on every fucking movie. He's been in pretty rough shape. <laughs> yeah. Even, like, even he had no time to heal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for something that's just going to be a spectacle of like, Jesus Christ, this guy is just a killing machine. You know, watching that trailer, I was like, they missed the opportune moment to put in. Uh, let the bodies hit the floor by a drowning pool. Watching it, I'm just glad we didn't get you know some hip hop you know terrible fucking rap <laughs> song in it. So I think I think right. we're good. The other trailer that got posted while it's going on is the new Jeepers Creepers, and that actually has my interest. It looked like it went back to good camera work again by that trailer. Did they dump the guy who would, who was a pedophile? Oh he, yeah, he was dumped uh, after the second movie. Well, he he the, did the third movie, dude. He was the producer. But you really had, that's yeah, was he right? That movie was just yeah. awful. That movie was besides him being a garbage human, that was a garbage movie. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, that, it's the only reason was, why I didn't watch it. It was because of him. So I was like, fuck you. I'm not watching I'm not supporting somebody who's who's a pedophile. Oh, I couldn't even I couldn't even make the movie. That's how bad it was. I didn't even yeah. finish it. Well that's well, pretty bad because you recommended not, some yeah. pretty terrible <laughs> movies to me. <laughs> <laughs> well that and they kind of you know like we discussed this like when we go in the movies and we get into a franchise and then when the franchise alters its own rules you kind of start to lose interest or yeah not giving a fuck on jeepers creepers 3 like the fact that the car becomes sentient and gets more kills than the creeper in the movie okay yeah that that would have worked in the first film why because it would have been in the first film and nobody would have <laughs> known anything <laughs> yeah that's in fact that would have worked for the first film because originally that's what I thought was the the movie was going to be about. It was like when we watched Annabelle from Conjuring. Conjuring had kind of its own rules, and then when it hit Annabelle, all of a sudden the rules change. Yeah, the kind and, and that's true even throughout the Conjuring series. Like the Conjuring Three is the the one where I'm just like, God, this movie is awful, and it's because it ignores all the rules. Like every rule they've had in the past, like in the entire franchise, just gets thrown out the fucking window. I was like, all right, well, that's bullshit, but okay. <laughs> and the the villain is just so anticlimactic; it's just it's sad. But oh, it was reg- a pretty lame villain. Yeah, regardless, uh, irregardlessly. <laughs> God damn it! But the uh, since we're talking about Comic Con, one thing that did come up that had my excitement was the. Uh, Tom McFarlane and uh, Greg Capello came out and announced they're making a third Batman 
spawn crossover and they will be handling it yeah i have the first two so i'm actually kind of looking forward to this i'm hoping it's going to be good and that's why i'm kind of hoping because greg capallo was part of dc before it went pro agenda yeah so i'm like okay so you have an old school original batman artist when that overseen a lot of the new 52 along with scott snyder being involved in the project yeah got some faith all right tom mcfarland most of his stuff is pretty good no matter what yeah, Todd McFarlane doesn't give a shit. The only thing he cares yeah. about is whether or not it goes along with the story. He's not big on agenda. At least but Comic Con still. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know that person. Like from a personal aspect, he might be. He might be consumed by it personally. But uh, when it, it doesn't come through in his art, so not to give care. He actually cares about the story. So when he draws it out, he actually thinks up the story. Yeah. So well, uh, was there anything that jumps out to you so far, or are you just gonna wait until it's all over? I haven't really caught much from it, other than what you guys have shared. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be probably tracking some of it, for, especially from uh, Anna, that Star Wars girl. I know uh, Jason Franks, the guy who played uh, the Green Ranger for a long time. Yeah, has been working with Bat in the Sun. He showed up in a Green Ranger Warframe costume to help promote That's cool. the to help promote Warframe. That's cool. Yeah, speaking of Warframe, they had a uh, an interesting announcement going along with uh, Soul Frame. Uh, they're creating a new MMORPG. <clears throat> Uh, it's not really an RPG. It's just an MMO in reality because uh, I wouldn't consider Warframe really an RPG, even though it, like it has some RPG aspects to it. But it's for the most part, it's just it's an action it's just shooter. An MMO, yeah, it's an action shooter. And this one looks like it's going to be a successor, kind of the sole successor from it. And uh, the lead that was on Warframe has left Warframe and is now working on this. Uh, it's from the same producer, same uh, production company. So uh, yeah, just know that's from the David. Yeah, same developer and everything. So it's uh it's gonna be still in the same vein of of what Warframe ra- was, but it's gonna be high fantasy, and that's what he's going for. Yeah, uh, it's kinda like Warframe dipping its toe into uh Souls games from the from the looks yeah. of it. Yeah, and I can't remember his name or his successor for Warframe. <laughs> Starting my uh, hey, his successor is uh is uh Rebecca. Is it Rebecca? Yeah, she's taking over. Else. Apparently, she had been quietly kind of running everything for like the past six months. Yeah, he 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 passed the baton off to her. I was like, all right. I was like, well, I mean, she's kind of the face of the company, anyways. I was like, so it makes sense. That's a hell of a hell of a bump up, considering they were still considered her and her and Meg were still considered interns like a, a year ago, maybe. Yeah. You know, I would love Warframes. So I'm willing to give this one a shot. Hell, I've been thinking about replaying Warframes since we haven't touched it for like a year to go back to it. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that they showed off for the uh, Daviri Paradox looks looks pretty cool and interesting. Um, at some point, I'm sure I'm going to delve back into all of it. They showed off the Korra Prime frame, which looks fantastic. And it's a fantastic frame to begin with. So, But yeah, Soul Frame, you know, looks looks interesting. It'll be, uh, I want to see some gameplay. You know, all we really got to see was sort of cinematic, maybe a little touch of gameplay in it, but, uh, yeah, the only thing I've read from uh, digital extremes is, uh, that the, the focus is mainly a cooperative gameplay, a PVE style game, which is right up our alleys. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'm just confused because they showed a different person next to him in the picture. It could be. Yeah, that or she changed her hair color and she's now blonde. Oh, yeah. No, she she dyed her hair blonde or maybe she's naturally blonde. I don't know. 
but uh, <laughs> she looks great as a blonde. <laughs> I mean, she looks great in any hair color, but I was, I was a little taken aback. Yeah. Rebecca Ford looks, I mean, she looks great, but yeah, I, I hadn't seen her in as blonde before. I thought she was a different person. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Well, that's Reb. Yeah. So it's cool that, you know, it's, it's staying in, in the, in the family. And like I said, you know, they were just her, her and Meg were interns, you know, officially still interns not that long ago. <laughs> and they yeah, had been with the, the company thing for is, years. They had just been paid interns. Yeah. Like the, they considered intern positions, even though they had been, you know, heading up like in, in huge, like huge things. Like uh, I think Rebecca was like, she was in control of like, uh, the social media stuff forever mm-hmm. and then switched over to uh, a lot of the uh, customer relations communication stuff like that, doing Twitch and showing and, you know, having the interviews with the uh, development teams and keeping track of projects. And then she like, I can't remember what the, like what the last role they moved her over to that. She was like in control of everything on top of that. She's been the voice of uh, mom mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially in the, in the yeah. entire series. <laughs> Is it the uh, uh, the Lotus, right? Yeah, yeah. Her and her and Meg were just a fucking have were and have been a dynamic team for showing off updates and content. Oh yeah, and you know, so it's it's awesome that they're they're still doing as well as they are. And seeing the amount of their hard work paying off for that, it's pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I wish uh, as much prosperity as uh, as possible. So hopefully, uh, Soul Frame doesn't take away from uh, anything going on with uh, Warframe. But never know. Soul Frame could be the thing that everybody transitions over to, and maybe it, you know creates the death of Warframe. I hope not, because I really like Warframe. But uh, I doubt it. I, I think given, it's going to be enough of a difference in flavor. Given the ideas behind how the combats are going to be, how the combat's going to be drastically like different. Uh, I would say, yeah, it's going to be one of those things of like, hey, we've we've catered to the sci-fi people, we've catered to the action sci-fi people. Now we're going to cater towards the fantasy MMO people. So we'll see how that works. Uh, based off of what they've said, it's going to be set up very much in kind of the same uh, revenue as uh, Warframe of free to play, and then it's just going to be you know uh, paid, you know, paid uh, cosmetics and stuff like that. So we'll see if uh, we'll see how that transitions over there or if if that's how they end up transitioning it over there. You never know. They could end up having, uh, you know, season passes for all we know uh, in the end for uh, Destiny. It's still ways off. So but they did show off a uh, trailer looked pretty cool, pretty unique when the uh, the guy did the uh, what looks like a, a like a stop time kind of move. Uh, in the uh, the sword fight, did you see mm-hmm. that? Yeah, it'll be it, it looks like it's definitely going to ca- have the the action portion to it, but uh, set in a very different kind of setting. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what system we end up playing it on because miles has a PC now. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it, I, I assume uh, cause then there might be like account linking to it. So I don't know if uh, it crosses between console and PC or not. I haven't fucked for soul frame or for warframe warframe because i assume it's probably going to follow the same architecture so as far as i know warframe does not have cross uh cross save hmm 
Yeah, so I don't uh, know. We'll see. But uh, I don't know if anything that you have from Warframe would actually transition over to Soulframe or anything like that. I mean, it'd be kind of cool if they had a similar currency or like you could use currency from one and another. I could, I could see rewards uh, being um, okay. Yeah, transitional between the two. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if still all up in the air, listeners, we don't know a whole lot uh, beyond what was shown. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get more from that in the in the near future. But at the same time, I want to tell uh, Digital Dynamics uh, that that's correct, right? Digital Dynamics, uh, Digital Extremes, Digital Extreme. Goddamn, don't know why I said Digital Dynamics. Brain fart. So want to tell Digital Extremes, uh, take your time. Yeah. Make sure you create a fully fledged product and that uh, you guys are pleased with it and everything like that before uh, before releasing it, because nobody wants another cyberpunk ever again. No, uh, but I mean, for for people that have actually executed uh, successful free to play, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, they're they're on top of it. You know, I mean, they release stuff that is busted all the time, but as a free to play you kind of have that allowance of like, all right, well, they're still working on it. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And from my understanding, well, think- that's that's the theory right now is that Soul Frame is going to be also in that same free-to-play. Uh, I, should, I, should probably, I should probably say it more like this. Don't make promises you can't keep. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of promises you can't keep, Ubisoft has had to cancel four or six games. Four. Four games. Uh, one of which I think is the uh, next Ghost Recon and uh, Splinter Cell VR, because apparently they couldn't get past the fact that they still just need to make a regular Splinter Cell game. They tried to go VR the VR route and ended up canceling it anyways. Um, At this Ubisoft- point, I don't want them to do a Splinter Cell game. Right. Huh? At this point, I don't want them to do one. Oh no, they they fucking ruined yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft those two is- games. Yeah. Yeah, Ubisoft, I think, is going to be up on the chopping block uh, relatively soon, listeners. And it's because of, I think, terrible fucking management and terrible choices that they keep making. I mean, look at Skull and Bones. That that looks like absolute <laughs> hot garbage. Yeah, and I they, lost and they my 70 shit. bucks for it. Yeah, I lost my shit at that price point. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, I expected maybe a free to play title, you know, because I figured, you know, they're just going to charge out the ass for cosmetics or something. Uh, or at the at the best, at the you know highest, maybe thirty bucks. Like I still wouldn't get it for that, but it would be a much more understandable price to. No, me. but for anybody who's actually interested into it, thirty dollars seems more reasonable. Yeah, it sounds a lot more yeah. fair to me. Fucking seventy dollars, kiss my <clears throat> lily white ass. <laughs> yeah, seventy dollars, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get, are you kidding me with this Ubisoft? Like, are, like, are you guys completely just blind to the shit you make? Or is this one of those things of we literally have to put it at this price point? Otherwise, if we don't make any fucking money back, we're screwed, which is probably more likely given the fact that this game was made with uh, uh, subsidies from is it which which country was it from? Was it uh, was it Sweden? I don't know. Ubisoft is traditionally a uh, French developer but the French Canadian de, uh, the dev for Skull and Bones was moved to the Taiwan or no no Singapore um uh dev studio 
I think that's right. Yeah, but this game has taken way too long to come out for a game. Oh yeah, it's been fucking development for a decade. Yeah. Yeah, at least that's what it feels. Because this was supposed to be what shortly released after Assassin's Creed Rogue, and we have now we're just now getting it. Uh, I don't think it was that early on. I want to say it was closer to around Origins. It was. It was Singapore. That's who it was. Singapore's government. Uh, Sorry, listeners. I don't know where the the Sweden one came from. (laughs) But with an S. Singapore's. It starts with an S, and that's where my brain went. Was there's only one country that starts with an S, right? Uh, it's in the eastern hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. only one, only one place. So, uh, <laughs> no. So, it's it, sorry. It's it's Singapore. Uh, listeners, Singapore's government had given them subsidies to go to the development of it, and uh, they uh, they gave them quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of coin for that. And Ubisoft, because of that, Ubisoft is having to make sure that they hit the delivery date this year. If they don't, then they incur massive penalties. This is kind of similar to what was going on with. Uh, uh, was it a Kings of, Am- uh, of Amalar? The, uh, the whole thing with that. And, and there was a lot of other stuff that went on in the background with that, with that whole deal of, uh, part of that, the, <laughs> I think it was a uh, Rhode Island that, uh, gave them. Is it the initial uh, release stuff. or the, the re-reckoning? No, the initial release, the, the very okay. first release before it was, before it was, it was taken and absorbed into EA. Uh, the developer for it, which was, uh, I think, Kurt Schilling's company, they had taken subsidies from the state and uh, the government of Rhode Island had done a lot of shady shit in return to them of uh, basically wanting, you know, essentially wanting their money back. And they're like, we can't do that. Like, we already had, we already paid for this. Like, there was a lot of weird shit that went on with that, that whole development thing. And I, I think somebody did a, a documentary on what actually took place in the background for that. But uh, this is kind of a similar situation of Ubisoft took took subsidies. They took money from a government and they have to make sure that they pay back. They have to be able to essentially it's like, it's like taking a loan and you have to be able to actually make money back. And in order to do that, you have to be able to actually adhere to whatever is in the contract. And if the contract says it has to come out in a certain time period, well, that's what's happening with Skull and Bones and Skull and Bones. Keep in mind, has been in development for a long time and has had to restart development four times. Yeah, yeah, a lot of and, uh, uh, a lot of lead migration went on with that game. Yeah, it was uh, it was not good. Uh, and uh, the the worst part about it is like seeing things like uh, skill up and and stuff like that talk about it, and they're like, "Yeah, uh, this looks exactly like what we saw before." Yeah, there's there's yeah, no it, difference. It never looked promising in all reality. It just you know, but I mean that's Ubisoft too. I mean, it's you you understand that. Well, I'm not expecting anything phenomenal from them because we haven't had anything phenomenal since. Yeah. Not for a long flag. time. Yeah. Yeah, since the Kenway trilogy, not for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of uh, games that aren't worth the $70, uh, the Last of Us remake that is coming out for the PS5, they are charging $70 for. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's for a game that's already been made, technically. Well, they think they're uh, there's, Skyrim. There's, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're, they they've made a lot of change. Like listeners, they've made a lot of changes. They've made a lot of improvements to the AI. A lot of things that have been uh, updated or character models, cutscenes now take place in engine, and that's that's all cool stuff. But at the same time, seventy dollars for a game that came out in the P- when the PS3 was ending. 
Well, and there was already a remaster launched for it, what, four years ago? It was pretty much right after the PlayStation 4 had come out. Yeah. So, yeah, because that was one of the big selling points. So like, oh, you can you can play this remastered. Yeah. It's a re-remaster. <laughs> Easily uh six or, or you know, six years ago or something like that. So uh we're talking about a game that is not new. No. And while yes, it looks as good in quality of visually as The Last of Us 2, $70 is asking a lot for a game that's that's already been out once. And that you can still play the remaster from the PS4 on the PS5 with. So, or like, I, I don't understand. You can, you can play it with the PS5. So this remake is not really needed. And it wasn't really needed. And it tells me that Naughty Dog doesn't really have a whole lot of things going on right now. Uh, the fact that you guys, the fact that Naughty Dog is did this instead of doing uh, you know, making another lost a, a sequel to the Lost Legacy for Uncharted. Like you guys came out, you guys came out with with the Lost Legacy. You had you had two strong female characters ready to go for an adventure story, and you dropped it, and instead you went to the Last of Us remake. Now I get it. Maybe this is in cor- to correlate with the Last of Us uh, live action movie or show oh, that's coming sure. out. Um, but I, I don't think anyone who's a fan of the last of us is going to watch that. And the simple fact is because are you going to watch it Anderson? Because you watch everything. Well, I'm going to do. So the rule I give myself is if I can't get into it in two episodes, I'm done. I won't watch it because it's based off a video game and no show, nothing based off a video game is really that good. It's not, it's not worth my time anymore. There's very few exceptions. I think Castlevania is one of them. Yeah, but they don't they don't care. Yeah. Like that you're talking about Castlevania yeah. that actually cared about the lore and actually yeah. actually created a show based off of a a video game that that had lore, but, but was, they they, yeah. they even took that and expanded on it. This one is you know, this this is gonna be the same thing as what we've gotten with, you know, recent uh video game uh adaptations of the fact of well, we're going to take bits and pieces and that's all. And we're going to make our own thing because we're Hollywood and we don't care about what actually happened in the games because that's too much work. That's evident by Halo. Yeah, they just want the title. That's all. Yeah. yeah. That's they're just trying to Halo. sell it and hide it behind there, but there's going to be creative directors who never even played, a, played the game. It, exactly. And that's evident yeah. by everything we've seen. Halo, fucking the new Resident Evil, which you actually have on this list. Like... The, that show is hot garbage. It's and CW, games, 100%. GameSpot, I want to know, how much were you paid to say this is the best adaptation you've seen? What are you fucking smoking if you think this is the best adaptation? It, it's the best adaptation compared to Mila Jovovich? Because that's not hard to do. Oh, dude, that's why I put it in my notes. We're just going to go ahead and roll into it. I, like, I've watched the first two episodes. Yeah. And I prefer the movies. Yeah. That's what that's what most of what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, all I, it's 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 full CW. It, it was full it was CW. Yeah. It was trash. Uh, Al, okay. Reddick isn't even the isn't even the main character in the show. The main characters are the daughters. The main characters are the women in the show. That's it. And uh he's just kind of a sideline. Like Lance is just kind of like as good of an actor as he is and as much as I enjoy him in major the majority of things he's in 
and they've ruined his characters of all in, in destiny, by the way, <laughs> just throw it out there. Uh, he can't save the show. The, the sad part about it is that everything, everything with about the show is just set up for agenda. It's because we had an agenda. We wanted to have representation instead of story. And instead of making it based off of what was already created, which is a knockoff of a, it's a knockoff of night of the living dead is what it is. That's what resident evil has always been. And resident evil, the creators of resident evil have admitted that multiple times that the fact that their inspiration was night of the living dead. That was their biggest inspiration for it. So they made a knockoff of a, of night of the living dead. And you guys can't even knock off the knockoff. At this point, it's like a copy of a copy of a copy where the point where it's just degrading into shit. And I'm pretty sure the show was filmed before the other one, but Netflix just came out with Stranger Things. Phenomenal. Broke records, and then they oh, gave yeah. you Resident Evil. So I'm like, how do you make these decisions from something phenomenal to hot garbage? Because they greenlight everything. Yeah, they greenlight everything. That's, that's, that's what it feels like. That we're right back to netflix just green lights everything they are you a writer that can put pen to paper then you're 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 the, you're a man you're the person we're going to use we're going to have you come in and write this movie do you don't know anything about the franchise doesn't fucking matter just you know write it down uh, so long as you here's here's your agenda checklist if you if you go with these agendas you're good to go and even stranger things has had some has had some of that cross into it but the difference is is that you have writers who who don't care about the agenda in the end who care more about these are our characters. This is what we started out with. This is where we're going to end. This is how we wanted to go. We're not here Tell to a good story. just, yeah, we're not yeah. here to fulfill just your agenda. We're here to fulfill this, the need that we had to from the beginning, which is creating a great story. And that's what stranger things is. Even like I've had people like, Oh, well, you know, they only made Robin gay because they're trying to fulfill an agenda. That may be, but I thought it was kind of kind of comical because the entire time you're like, man, this girl's perfect for for his perfect for him, and oh nope, she's gay. I was like, damn it. <laughs> way it and goes. what's worse is he. Yeah, what's worse <laughs> is like even going into the season four, like he knows it, like he knows that she would be great with him, and that's kind of the the sad part is like he can't have Nancy, he can't have you know he can't have Robin, so it's just like all right, well. I guess uh, I guess all he has is great hair, so that sucks. Uh, but he, they, you know, they even keep bringing back the whole thing of like, you know, n- you know, not try to try to get too much into spoiler territory, but they even keep bringing back the whole like possibility with Nancy again. And I'm like, well, Nancy's my least favorite character, so <laughs> it doesn't really <laughs> matter to me. But yeah, I mean, it's it's such a drastic difference of like how Netflix handles current shows coming in versus what you've seen with shows that have been running for a while. Where, especially if you have, if it's coming from a studio that's not directly connected to Netflix, that Netflix has just paid to, you know, paid for the rights to air their shows. Like that's what the majority of anime is on their shows, listeners. The majority of anime that they bring in isn't actually funded by Netflix. It's, it, well, I shouldn't say isn't actually funded by Netflix, isn't actually owned by Netflix. Netflix just buys the rights to air it for a lot of that stuff. And you'll notice a big difference between when Netflix actually owns the actual property versus when they don't. Castlevania is not really owned by Netflix. Castlevania is actually owned by Konami. It's owned by uh, Konami and their uh, the animation studio that does it, uh, which is not Netflix. Netflix was just basically the publisher is how you look at it for, for an anime. 
So Netflix has no create had no creative, really no creative input in create creative control over that series. Why is it so good? Because Netflix doesn't have any input. You take that and cross, you know, cross it over to shows that they do have input with. And you're like, ah, it's just not as good. And you sit there and go, why? Oh, because Netflix had say. Because Netflix, you know, came in, came into it. Same thing happened with the, you know, adaptations. You get, you, you know, you have Cowboy Bebop versus uh, anime versus Cowboy Bebop, the live action. Cowboy Bebop, the anime is a thousand times better than the live action. Hands down. Doesn't matter how good the actors are, it cannot compete with the story and the way things are set up. Oh, I just watched one the other day that was just as bad at Bleach. The adaption to animate to live action. Oh, that was awful. That was bad. And it's hard to translate anime into live action. I think in, in a lot of ways, I think for most of it, it's kind of impossible because there's a lot of things that get lost. Yeah. I think the closest thing the you could do is like live action. Scott Pilgrim versus the world's probably the closest thing you're ever gonna get. Yeah, I think that's, you know, and Scott Pilgrim versus, you know, versus the world, you have to have a lot of suspension of disbelief, you know, disbelief. You have to have completely just acceptance of this is batshit crazy. Go along with it for that to work. And too many anime, when they bring it over to live action, they try to establish it in real world, in the real world. And you can't accept any of the batshit crazy stuff that they want to bring from anime into it. So you go, well, that doesn't translate so well. So I'll just go back to the anime. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it loses a lot of nuance. Absolutely. When it comes to shows that are based off of games, it kind of has the same problem with the fact that it's it it does it's not that it, nothing from the game can translate into the show. It's the fact that they don't want to. They want to create their own thing, but they just want to use this title that's already established with fans to try and have a built-in fan base. Yeah. But they immediately just say fuck the fans as soon as they start making it. That's basically what happened with Cowboy Bebop as well, listeners. I just want to point this out. Netflix immediately got that property and just basically said, fuck the fans. Fuck, fuck what actually happens in the anime. Because there's plenty of stuff in that anime that there's no reason for why it's not exactly like the anime. Because they just ignore some of the story. They make the main antagonist a main character in the show. They try to give him you know, motivations and show you why they're doing this stuff. Instead of just having them be a bad guy in the show and a main antagonist that you won't find out about why they're doing the things they do until later. You know, not every bad guy needs to be Thanos. Sometimes it's okay for a bad guy just to be the Joker, to just be evil. And it truly depends on what the purpose of that bad guy is. Are they a main driving force in the show or are they just there as an obstacle? Like that's what happened with Halo. Halo turned around. They're like, all right, well, here's our story. We're going to ignore the story. We're going to ignore all the lore and we're going to create our own thing so that we can have, you know, master cheeks and have uh, a completely unnecessary sex scene in it where Master Chief loses his virginity and immediately falls in love with someone. Now that you just said that, I'm just disappointed. Like a 15 year old virgin uh, falls in love with the first <laughs> thing he gets to, he gets to fuck. Uh, it's that that's that's the thing is like you're you're looking at a show that that did exactly that and said okay we have this built-in fan base great we can build off of that instead of going we can build off of that let's stay close to the lore and try and bring newcomers in that might be interested in this story but have never played the games well let's that that's going to require build up and work but instead they went nope we have an agenda we're going to create this character kwan who's fucking pointless and worthless as a character uh and we're gonna we're gonna make her the main 
uh, character for the show that we're going to have this all this fucking bullshit build up. Then we're going to shift over to Master Chief. We're going to make sure we see his ass a lot. And we're going to make sure that he talks a lot and make sure that his helmet's off the most of the time. And uh, we're not going to correlate any of the uh, important relationship and the humanizing of Master Chief that is created from his uh, relationship with Cortana. Instead, we're going to have him uh, fall in love with a covenant uh, human that that's a fucking first for anyone in the, who's a fan of the franchise, a covenant human. And uh, that that's going to be, that's going to be where we're going to go is they're going to fall in love and have sex. And that's going to be what makes him what, what, you know, his whole journey to being more human is from that. Like, God damn it, dude, no one in that writing board knew any of the lore going in. And I guarantee you, they didn't listen to a goddamn thing that was taught to them because they sat there and said, Oh, we, we went through all the lore with the creators. Bullshit. I think you spent 30 minutes with the creators and went, this is a lot of stuff. This is a lot of work. We're just going to take the little bits and pieces that we heard and we're going to just go with our own thing. They're going to make the arbiter his adopted son. (laughs) (laughs) Might as fucking well. Uh, I could tell you like sidekick though. Uh, I was thinking like little (laughs) sidekick who falls around like little Jimmy. Yeah, I could totally see it. Could totally see it happening. And it's because some dumb shit in Microsoft never sat down and said, hey, no, this needs to stick to the lore. You, you guys need to cater to the fans. This needs to be for the fans first and foremost. And if we if if we gain more viewers because it's transitioning to a different medium, great. Yeah. If not, then we'll talk about whether or not we're going to continue the show. Instead, they signed up for two full seasons of this bullshit. Yeah. There's a second one coming. Jesus. Yes. That's the thing is there's there's it doesn't matter how bad the reviews are, how low the viewer count became from that show. They're still going to come out with season two. So Paramount and Microsoft didn't learn a goddamn thing. And the same thing I see in Netflix. The only difference is, is Netflix. They live by their viewership. If their viewership is low, they will drop anything like a in a heartbeat. Loach knows this and complains about it all the time. Because there are certain shows that he gets into. He's like, well, they didn't finish out the show. And I understand his his reasoning for why they need to just be able to finish out a show. Make sure that there's some finality to it. Totally understand that. But it does cost the company money. And if the money's not, if the, the money's not coming in, if the viewership's not coming in, there's no reason for them to continue it. Maybe create like some kind of a, like epilogue cause that if it, it bombs, you'll just do one final episode and just make an epilogue and done with it. Yeah, that's what that's what his argument is. And I totally get it. But but Netflix lives and dies by their viewership. And if their viewership isn't high enough, they will drop any show like that. It's just gone. And that's the right way to go, in my opinion, because you're a company. There's still a company needing money, needing to make yeah. money. But here's the thing. Netflix, just like every other company, doesn't learn from that. Right. They don't learn from we failed here. Why did we fail? Oh, it's because we did this. We did A, B, C, and D instead of going with just what we had we had a fucking roadmap and instead of following that we decided to do our own thing yeah and you know we we've had that discussion before when it comes to uh stuff that's being transitioned from you know anime or games or comics or any of that nature you know we don't need to see a one for one you know i mean that's 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 ridiculous you know but yeah the mcu is exceedingly popular for a reason it doesn't have to be a one-to-one yeah, absolutely. I think you just got to follow the main but, plot points. Yeah, yep. if you if you lose yeah. the identity of the the franchise, then you're screwed. You know, that's that's yeah. where you know you like you said they disregard lore completely. 
you know, and trounce any kind of real input, and then it becomes an issue. I mean, there's always going to be people that bitch like, oh, well, this isn't exactly like, you know, the comics, or this isn't exactly like the book. You're always going to have those kind of people. Yeah. But realistically, you know, the the absolute pinnacle of of success when it comes to following, but still kind of doing its own thing, was LOTR series and Hobbit. You know? Yep. Fantastic oh, fucking oh, masterpieces. Another one in there. Uh, Hunger Games. Not exactly like the books, but they follow the plot points. Yeah, they fall well, they follow the plot yeah. points, they stay true to the characters. They they don't deviate from the from the source material so much that you can't stand what you're seeing. Yeah. And it, it also doesn't alienate the people who don't know anything about it to begin with going in. So if you're able to create these uh, visual spectacles, you know, like Lord of the Rings and things like that, without deviating so much from the source material and still bring in new fans, people who know nothing about this stuff to begin with, why is that? Well, because it was a good story to begin with. There's a reason why there was a roadmap, and that's what you should have followed. So why is it that these Hollywood types come in, take these fucking things, and say, fuck it, we're going to do our own thing? Because it requires them to do work. Because they're so fucking lazy that they feel like they can't can't establish what's already been established. Because fucking Halo has 20 years of lore. Okay, well, Halo has 20 years of lore. We're not asking you to pump 20 years of lore into one season. Yeah. And for some reason, Hollywood can't get that through their heads of we're not asking you to put out every single thing in one go. We're asking you to just start with a nugget, start with a little bit and build from there. And instead, they decide to go, you know what? We're going to create our own story. We're going to do our own thing because that's easier to build off of our our own lore than to try and recreate the lore going back 20 years. Let's say you have somebody who's a biblical scholar versus someone who's not. And the person who's, who's not is going to tell you stories that they've heard from the Bible, but they don't know the stories versus a biblical scholar who's going to know the Bible from cover to cover and can actually give answers based off of what they know. That's the differences of what we're getting. You're seeing somebody who's a scholar who, who would know something about it, and that's the fans. That's what you're seeing from the fans. And the reason why I'm using the Bible listeners is because I could say, you know, you're a Tolkien scholar, but that doesn't mean anything because there are several people who claim to be Tolkien scholars who don't know (laughs) shit about Tolkien. The real scholars, in my opinion, are people like just some guy, just some guy on YouTube, while I don't agree with him in a lot of politics, is exceedingly knowledgeable, especially when it comes to the fandom, especially when it comes to Lord of the Rings. That is a go-to person to look at when he wants to talk about Lord of the Rings. The same thing goes for... uh, uh, nerd of the rings nerd of the rings uh these people are they know the entire lore they know every single thing to the point of nerd of the rings he knows so much of it that he can fill in some of the gap or i shouldn't say he can he tries to fill in some of the gaps that were left because tolkien was unable to finish the similarian yeah it presents really good plausible uh realistic theories yes as to what would occur yeah, but he points out it's a theory. This he he doesn't want to point out he doesn't want to say this is absolutely what Tolkien would have done. He's yeah. just saying this is what I think would have happened based off of the what's happened in the past and what I know from this lore. But if you were to and if you were to want to to go with uh what they talk about, great. You at least have something to back it up versus what Amazon's putting together. Yeah. Well, Amazon doesn't care. Amazon doesn't have real scholars. In fact, 
the one actual Tolkien scholar that they had, they fired because he disagreed with the show not following the lore. That should tell you something. Goes against their plans, which means it costs them money and they don't give a shit. (laughs) It costs them money. It doesn't uh, it doesn't match up with whatever their agenda is. It's a massive. It's a massive fucking universe. And they could have literally done pretty much anything anywhere else, you know, with anyone else. They didn't have to fall back on created characters. And they did. And that's when you start narrowing yourself down into that position where you 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 veer enough away from it. You're going to yeah. lose the identity of the franchise. Yeah. Thank, thank you for getting me there faster, Miles. The, that's the whole point is the fact of they fell back on these characters that are known characters that are mentioned in the Similarian. And then they turned around and created characters that don't exist, that have no interactions. And then some of them, some of them have interactions that are thousands of years apart. And then they put them in there. And that's where you're telling the fan base that you don't care. Yeah. And that's why there's such a that's why there's such an up in arms listeners. It has nothing to do with. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't have anything to do. It has less to do with, oh, you have a black elf. Oh, you have a black person playing a hobbit or or you have this uh, this black dwarf. It's the fact that they don't respect the lore enough to even get those things right. Yeah. Of the way, you know, oh, Tolkien didn't, you know, you have you have you have people who claim to be Tolkien scholars that work for Amazon who say that Tolkien never literally tweeted this out that Tolkien never described how elves actually look. No, he describes in detail how elves actually look. Right. And that that's their reasoning for 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 race swapping for that. He like that that and that's the stuff that like they get that fans get pissed off about. They he oh he never described dwarf women. Oh yes he did. He described dwarf, dwarf women very well. In fact, dwarf women have beards just like men. There's a reason why there's a moment in the Lord of the Rings that is a joke. Yeah. Where he, where he, he, Gimli says, you know, many, you know, in fact, many people confuse, uh, you know, our women for men and she, the, I can't, uh, Erwin, isn't it? Or, uh, the, uh, Erwin, uh it? something like that. Yeah. Friend zone. Yeah. <laughs> Friend zone. Looks. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm, I'm losing names for some reason. Uh, Aragon. Aragon. There we go. Uh, she she looks back at Aragon and Aragon goes, it's the beards. And like it it does the <laughs> the motion. She laughs. I was like, that is literally from the books. So yeah. they don't even have that. They can't even respect the lore enough to give the woman a beard. Yeah. And uh, which which is hysterical. Like, if anything, a woman with a beard should should at least, you know, kind of cater to some progressivism. Right. Right. Instead, nope. They make sure <laughs> she doesn't have a beard at all. And like it's like that's the, the vast majority of fans complaints. off. Yeah, that's the vast majority of the complaints. Nobody gave a shit. That, no, I, I won't say nobody. The vast majority of people didn't give a shit that she was black. Didn't give a shit that yeah. it was a a female in power. You know, as a dwarf, right? They only give a shit because she doesn't have a beard. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> meet us halfway, listeners. I didn't even know she was a dwarf until it was pointed out to me. They're like, "Oh, she's the she's the dwarf queen," and I went, "What?" Right? I was like, "She doesn't have a beard." That's that was the first thing out of my mouth was the fact that she doesn't have a beard. Not yeah. that she's black. It wasn't a. It wasn't a, a a lethal weapon moment of. But you're black. Right. It was. She doesn't have a beard. What the fuck? And that's that's the thing that people are pissed off at at Amazon about the most of is the fact that they don't respect the lore enough to even get the little things right, and they make up characters that aren't necessary to the story. 
where the main character, like the, the main characters are, are characters that are mentioned in the Similarian. That those are the characters you should be following through the entire thing. And they don't care enough for that. Instead, they want to show, oh, we want to show the human connections with these other people. And we wanted to then they even said, like, we, we knew when going through the material that we were going to have to bring in things from the real world to make it more reflective of the world we're in. You, you look at that versus Peter Jackson's look at it. And I'll see if I can find a soundbite to put in there, but uh, to put in there of this. But well, we 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 didn't want to put any of our own. Certainly, in terms of the thematic material, we didn't want to put any of our own baggage. I mean, we had no interest in putting our messages in, into this movie, but we thought that we should honor Tolkien by putting his messages into it. And we thought he cared about things. We, you know, he, you know, the countryside and the and the and, and, and the rise of evil and and. He, he cared passionately about certain issues, and we thought what we should do to honor him is to make sure that, that, that his, what he cared about ends up in the movie. That's what we tried to do. They just wanted to make something that honored what the author had created. They were making this for Tolkien. They were not making this for themselves. And because of that, they created what is, a, what is easily one of the greatest masterpieces in cinema history. They knew they were going to have to take some shortcuts because it's film and they couldn't show everything that's in the Lord of the Rings. I mean, you'd be talking about the first film alone would probably be six hours just to do that. And the extended edition is already almost four. And that's the only way you should ever watch that, by the way. <laughs> Things started to happen like, you know, lines that Elrond would say in the book were given to Aragorn to say in the movie. You know, a, a line that might appear in Lothlorien was suddenly, you know, put into the minds of Moria but they're nonetheless, they're still Tolkien's language, it's still his words. You know, whilst we're changing plot things, we're changing some events, we're changing characters, we're losing characters, while we're doing all the normal stuff that you have to do to adapt a book, um, we, we did want to be as accurate as possible into, into putting his thematic material into the film. But that, that's, that's a drastic difference of how you have somebody who respected and loved the lore in charge of something versus a company that doesn't care and just wants to do it for the, for the most, or for, for just the money. They just want to bring in a fan. They want to take advantage of a fan base that already exists and they want to try and cater to the ones that they don't have. And yeah. that's just bonkers. Amazon, if you ever hear this, people would watch Lord of the Rings. They would watch it. They would watch a show on Lord of the Rings if you, if you solely based it on the actual material. And you actually made story around the main characters that actually exist in there. People would watch it regardless. It does not matter their color. It doesn't matter their, their religion. It doesn't matter their beliefs. They would watch it regardless. Yeah. The, the things you should be catering to is just the lore. Yeah. The, it's, it's, it's funny. I was just saying, and thinking about it, like the vast majority of these, uh, these franchises that we give a shit about that are just yeah. kind of being bastardized. The vast majority of these were created by and for introverts. And they're yeah. listening to extroverts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what? I got the gist of it when I first heard about the show. I was thinking it was just going to be like a, a anthology, which each one was going to be different. So in my head, I'm like, why won't you make a funny uh, Hobbit cooking show? So you're just talking about like making like just yeah. making stuff up. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Within the like, within the Lord of the Rings it. realm. Yeah, just have yeah. fun with it. Yeah, if you're going to do that then don't try to bait that and that's what Miles yeah. was talking about the fact of like don't bring in any characters that are known. If you're going to yeah. do that. Yeah, you have a wide wide fucking shit. world for that. 
and yeah. you know, don't make up your own shit. Your don't do yourself that. into that shit. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the problem that Star Wars has. They decided to make a show on Kenobi and ignored all of the the <laughs> they ignored yeah. the entire fucking trilogy that came before and the entire trilogy that came after. Yeah, like all I mean, of space, with, and you you still focus on just this. All right. Yeah. <laughs> as much as much as everybody wanted to see Kenobi back again, I knew instantly they were going to fuck up the lore. They were going to fuck up their own fucking lore. Yeah. I just and had no did. interest. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They ruined it. I was like, you guys have like, you have no real connections. You have people who sit there and claim, oh, we had to be really careful about what we could get away with, really. And nobody stopped you and said, hey, actually, Kenobi knows who Vader is. Uh, Kenobi would have never met Leia at this point. Um, the the entire thing that you've done with the Inquisitor is absolutely fucking trash. Uh, all this stuff doesn't make any sense. No, nobody sat there and told you guys this, or did the person who sat there and told you guys this get fired? Right. Because he disagreed with Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, at this point, I think the only Star Wars story I care about now is just the, uh, the Kyle Jedi series on uh, the video games, and that's it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and if Disney gets their hands on that whole story, I guarantee you that will go south fast. If that's if that happened in the uh, the second game, one well, time Disney gets a hold of a video game, it dies. So yeah, that's where that's where we're at with uh, with the fandom listeners. That's why you know that's why people are pissed off about Resident Evil. Resident Evil doesn't follow the lore. Resident Evil's trash. It's it's the CW. It's CW. Yeah. Resident Evil. You know, let's bring in drama. It has awful dialogue god so bad it's just i started reading some of it off to loach and the guys last night it was yeah it sounds so incredibly cringy it's bad it's soap opera Terrible. like you said cw so anyways uh moving on to reviews power washer simulator is on game pass listeners and we absolutely recommend it yeah yeah it's stupid fun uh, for as simple of a game as it is it is a great time waster if you just want a game that you can zone out and zen to and listen to music and yeah. just monotonously kind of, all right, I'm just going to do this, do this project. It's so simple, it's stupid, but it's fun. And uh, it's just because it's, it's the dad games, as a YouTuber once put it. It's the, uh, the games that you, your dad would play because he's just wanting something to play. Yeah. Uh, Wish I could remember who, who said that. I don't remember if it was yeah. IGP or, or. I keep wanting to think it was IGP Young, yeah, or it, somebody, but it's but it's hysterical. Uh, and yeah, it's exactly what it is. And when we explained when I explained that to Loach and Miles and I were talking about it with him, Loach was like, "What the hell are you guys talking about? Like, no way is this good." And he downloaded it, listeners, and he has played it for hours. And the first night he got it, he played it till four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so that should tell you. It's it's worth playing. It's worth going through. The downside is it's still pretty buggy, uh, so you can get kicked out of the game uh, pretty easy. Comes to co-op um, specifically, yeah, yeah. Co-op has has some problems. Anytime we tried to get a co-op game of more than two people, it would actually crash my game. So hopefully that gets fixed soon. But it is still worth playing. It's still worth zoning out to, and I would recommend it to pretty much anyone. That's uh, on the Game Pass. If, yeah, especially with, with Game Pass. I mean, it's included in price. Might as well try it out. Give it a try. See what you think. Uh, the game next that we have is Stray, and I've played very little of it comparatively, I think, to some of you guys. But uh, just through the opener and getting to the uh, the the floaty bot, I'll try to mm-hmm. say as little things as possible without any uh without spoilers. But 
that I mean, so far that's shaping out to be really, really good. There are some uh, performance issues from console to PC, which is kind of strange. Since it was designed for console. That can have something to do with it. Thing that's still kind of weird to me is Digital Foundry was talking about this. The PS4 version is like 13 gigs and the PS5 version is like eight. Yeah, I think the PC is like nine something. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense as to why it's so much larger on the PS4. I can only think it has to do with uh, the differences in how they handle compression, kind of like how a PC handles compression over how a console does. Right. So perhaps that's it, but uh, it's, it's kind of a strange thing, but there are, you know, overall it runs really, really well on the PS five. I can tell you that. Um, Yeah. It looks fantastic on the, on the PC. I've noticed uh, the occasional uh, frame rate stutter. Uh, but never anything that's all that uh, jarring per se. Yeah. Anderson, you've, you were playing it just before we did the uh, start of the cast. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? You, you enjoying it or? So I'm playing on the PS5. Unless yeah. Josiah says elsewise, I think in the group, I'm the one that's put in the most time. Yeah. First, I want to confirm the videos that you were seeing online, listeners. If you look at videos of people playing the games and their cats interacting, that is true. So I didn't alter my settings all of the game. So when I hit the meow button, the meow comes out of my controller and I have a cat that gets all over me trying to find the other cat in the house. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you my dog cannot distinguish between the cat on the TV and a cat in real life. So uh, he lost his shit when he saw uh, the cat moving around. So it's pretty funny. Uh, so this game is definitely it has some action to it, but this is more of a casual game. Yeah, you're exploring a, a dystopian village, and you start off as a cat, and you you get separated from your little pride that you were part of, and then little adventure goes on from there. I don't want to give out too much. Yeah, yeah. I've actually spent more time being an asshole cat than anything else in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. When yeah. when the trailers came out, I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be asshole simulator." Look forward to it. <laughs> uh, it's so, a beautiful game, though. Uh, the the lighting and the water physics, uh, especially when it comes to the rain in the initial bit of the game, are are gorgeous and really well done. Yeah, I also uh, really dig the uh, the ambient soundtrack so far. Hmm. Yeah, uh, the 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 city feels like I'm I'm playing in New Mombasa, which is the city from ODST. Uh, it's it's almost nostalgic in that sense. This game uh, for me, I got it with my PlayStation membership. Yeah, as did I. I think that's the only one that has it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen PlayStation. Uh, I should do a plus, day one of something plus slash now yeah. whatever the fuck they want to call it. Uh, actually, be you know worth the money. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, give something out that's, you know, day one. Yeah. Or I should say give access to, not give out. Yeah. We've been discussing how to word this out correctly, listeners, so we're just going to say part of your membership. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily free. You're paying for it. Yeah. I personally, I, I I enjoy the game. If you, As long as you know you're going in playing a casual game and not an action game, that's pretty fun to play. I, my daughters play a little bit, so it's also kid-friendly. I think it's worth the download. All right. Yeah, I mean the price point's not not bad either. I mean, since it's not a seventy dollar game, you know, I had originally a uh, 
a lower price point via CD keys. And uh, they had to send out emails uh, and refunds because the dev decided not to give out any third-party keys. There's a first for me for <laughs> pre-ordering through CD keys. And uh, I was disappointed. But, you know, in all reality, it only changed the amount I paid by about five bucks. So... Listeners, I will say that Miles's experience with this is just it's just bad luck for his first go. I, it's rare that something like this actually happens on CD keys. I mean, I've I've ordered plenty of things or pre-ordered plenty of things on CD keys. Elden Ring I got for 45 bucks and CD keys did give him his money back and they also gave him a discount on his next purchase. Now, it wasn't a huge discount, but still, I mean, it's better than nothing. And it sure as hell better than most of the time when shit like this would, you know, would take place on Microsoft where they would screw him over on rewards points. So it's a wash and it sucks that it happens, but. I just wanted to put this in there because I don't want to discourage people from using CD keys, especially for pre-orders, because a lot of the time when you do pre-orders through CD keys, it's significantly cheaper. Like I said, Elden Ring day one, $45 on PC. And I've played the shit out of that game. Not bad. Next up, we have shows and anime. And uh, Anderson, you watched through the Terminal List, right? Yeah, I watched the Terminal List. Uh, I have not finished it, but I have to say it is so far really good. Yeah, for the show, it's basically Chris Pratt becomes the Punisher. Yeah. I will warn you, listeners, that a lot of reviews say it's the most action-packed. I don't think so. It's it's slow to start and then go as more action for each episode. Yeah. It's a build-up of a character. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, actually do do they actually do some uh, character development, so <laughs> it's not just going to be like, all right, well, you come, you come in and he's instantly John Wick. Something else so. I could warn you, listeners, is uh, when you get to the torture scene, you may not want to have anything in your stomach because it's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say I recommend it um, just because I think that it's one of those things. Like, like weirdly, Amazon has done a really good job with action, uh, the action uh, series that they've been putting out. Um, overall, I would say you know Reacher is freaking great. Uh, so yeah despite but, the but, uh, cardboard box sparks yeah <laughs> yeah just despite low budget uh shit that happens in it uh overall they've done it they they've created good stories that are just wanting to tell that tell a story and uh aren't concerning themselves with oh are we reflecting the real world or anything like that like that's where things kind of get fucking blundered is the fact that like when it comes to other things that amazon does like i they just don't fucking care like what they're doing because they're serving an agenda, not serving story. Whereas something like this, they're serving story, not agenda. So, and it makes me laugh when I see, you know, leftist reviews saying, Oh, it's a, it's what was it? A, a, a right, right wing, a right wing revenge. Uh, what was it? Right, right wing revenge orgasm or something like that. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? It's a, it's a story. It's a, it's a revenge story. It's a fucking, it's not, it's not meant to be like, oh, it's only on this side of the aisle that you can go with fucking morons. I think they were just pissed off. It was a story of no agenda. Yeah. And that's exactly it. That's exactly what it is. Anderson is the fact that it's a story without an agenda. It's a story that just wants to be what it is. And that's it. Could you imagine if, if a movie like Taken had been made today, it wouldn't have happened. Well, what's, they wouldn't have like, done like, it. 
look at the movies now. The top selling movie so far this summer is Top Gun, and that's for because it focused on story. Story. It just wanted to be a cool movie. That was it. <laughs> Nothing has touched Top Gun yet, so Top Gun is now probably probably it's probably gonna take the summer blockbuster of the year. Oh yeah, it's take movie yeah. of the year for me. It's movie of the year so far. <laughs> right. <laughs> that movie was fucking great. I think people are just tired of this agendas no matter what side of the aisle you recognize. I think everybody yeah. just wants a story. Yeah, I've known people who are some of my Democrat friends who have even said like they they've gotten to the point where like, yeah, this is getting out of hand. Like, this is fucking nuts. What the fuck is going on? And they're tired of it too. They're getting tired of this shit. Progressivism is fine to a point, but when it is you're trying to force it upon everything. That's fascism. Next up would be uh, our anime reviews. We find we finished up uh, Rising of the Shield Hero two listeners, and uh, while there's still another episode that has to be translated in English, it's the 13th episode, and the 13th episode is based off everything I've read. It is basically just kind of a fill in the blanks. Like this is what happened when they were separated from uh, me. Yeah, Nafumi. I thought it was a you know I mean I th- I'm hoping it's just a mid uh, a mid season break kind of like what we get with Spy X Family that's a that's in a mid season break. Hopefully there's there's more to come because the first season was uh, a lot longer I think it was 24 episodes. But I mean this was this was a good uh, it was a good story it had some finality to it. it there's no you know cliffhanger for it. And uh, we'll see what happens going forward. I'm pretty sure that if this is a mid-season break, even if it's not a mid-season break, that this is where we're going to have to, or where we end up having a a new voice actor uh, come in to play Nafumi because the previous voice actor had passed away. But you know, we'll see whether or not that impacts how long before there's uh, there's another or there's continuation or another season. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool story. Uh, I I would highly recommend it, uh, listeners, as we've said before. But again, if you're going to go through the first season, make sure you remember that it ta- it takes a while, but eventually people get their just desserts. Yeah. But not without giving out too much. I love the uh, the accuser's nickname. Oh yeah. Not that the thing is settled. Yeah. the The name change was fa- was fantastic. Moving on to another review is Spy X Family finally finished up, at least for the first uh, part of the season. They're now in a season break. It is absolutely worth watching listeners. I would highly recommend it to anyone who's looking for good family fun and good family programming. It is, it is a good time. It's a good time. It's really, really cute. And it's hard to, it's hard to resist the likability of all of the characters in it. So yeah, the yeah. mom, the dad and the daughter, they're all great. That, yeah. that 12th episode was just funny as hell. It was awesome. And I'm really liking the fact that they're balancing between the comedy, the family dynamic, and then the action. Yeah. Yeah, they do a good job of keeping things separate, but making sure that you're getting lighthearted, you're getting serious. It's not constantly trying to berate you with one or the other versus uh, you know something like Shield Hero where it's serious all the time. And for the most part, you're not getting any kind of relief of a lot of comedy or anything like that. They do keep a lighthearted sense of the fact of the building of relationships in there, but it's still treated with a very serious tone throughout. Right. But that's what you're going in for. Got, you know, Goblin Slayer is kind of the same way of it's, it is, it's not there for the humor. No, <laughs> uh, no there is humor in it. There, but... There's humor in it, but it's, it's not nearly it's not like, it's not nearly, you know, a focus, but it's not a family show. I, like I think I notice it more with uh, with things with things like that because most of the time, like with family shows and stuff like that, it's all it's always lighthearted. There's no 
real kind of seriousness to it. And every now and then they'll, they'll put a, you know, they'll drop a serious bomb on you for the drama. This was even true with live action shows like full house and stuff like that when we were growing up. But for the most part, it was just always lighthearted. And in spy X family, it's this good balance of, we're going to be lighthearted. We're going to be serious. We're going to be, you know, action oriented. And you're seeing like, I'm seeing a, a much more balanced approach to how every episode should be kind of, streamed out to to an audience which i think makes it kind of separated in how or like separate uh compared to how other shows of even a similar nature would run or like normally run you know uh a lot of these shows would be like okay this is a serious episode this is an action oriented episode this is a humor oriented episode notice in spy x family it's it's very different on how they handle it they they definitely keep a better balance per yeah episode. you can have all three in one episode yeah where you have two episodes left of James May, our man in Italy. Uh, as we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, listeners, that has been very entertaining. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch with other people. I wouldn't really, really recommend it by yourself, to be honest. But it's fun to watch with other people and to make fun of James May. And uh, you know, he, he definitely has a good humor about himself yeah. and making sure that he's a central point of, of some comedy in it, which is kind of, you know, I mean, it's refreshing to see someone who's willing to go with that but he definitely you can tell they're definitely kept in sections where he's just getting tired of being picked on yeah uh and being thrown to the shit but they kept it in there just because you know it's it to me it kind of makes it more of like it's much more realistic when you're seeing him just kind of like you know what? i don't want to fucking do this. this is stupid yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's funny conflict between him and his production yeah and that's much more refreshing than the shit that we've seen from other things where you like you, we watch, you watch things on like, uh, let's see, like, uh, the home and garden network. Let's say go, you go to that and you watch stuff where you're like, Oh yeah, they're going to go and do some showing off like some of an area or like a house and stuff like that. And then they, they have to go and you, you have them go and your, your host is going to go do something kind of stupid or just out of nowhere. Like, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, the, you see them walk, walk in and like the, the other host is like in a jacuzzi or some shit like that. Like, it always makes you wonder, like, you know, it's staged, but it makes you wonder, like, do they, any of them just get fucking fed up with this bullshit? Well, it's like the property brothers. Like, how long has that shit been going on? Right. It's like, it's nice to see a show where they're actually showing the host. Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to go into this. This is stupid. And That's they're showing you kind TV. of the, yeah. They're showing you the actual kind of behind the scenes parts of like, yeah, I don't want to do this. This is dumb. <laughs> so a uh, lot, lot nicer to watch, in my opinion. Moving on to uh, let's go with comics, because I don't think we have anything movies wise to review. Yeah, I, I, I still haven't even gotten around to watching uh, that Nick Cage movie yet. Oh, yeah. OK. Oh. Um, so, right, so comics, <laughs> comics. Anderson and I have both read through uh, the last Ronin. I was glad you actually got finished with it, Anderson, so we can uh, we can do this review. But the last Ronin is a comic book by uh, Eastman and uh, and Laird. Is that it? Yeah, Peter Laird. Peter Laird. Um, Which other and, creators uh, and owners of the TMT? Of the team, yeah, of TMNT. Uh, I've met Eastman, uh, really down to earth guy very cool uh loves he he actually genuinely loved meeting his fans and loved hearing their stories about how much his comic book has influenced even just their their lives their culture stuff like that uh at the time i was still in graphic design and i brought up the fact that you know t 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made me get into art and wanting to learn to draw and stuff like that. That's kind of led me on that path. And it was really cool to meet him and, and tell him that. And he was like, man, that's really cool. And, and we sat down, we had a good, we had a, you know, good two, three minute conversation. And uh, unfortunately he, he had to, you know, he was like, oh, sorry, man. He's like, everybody else is, is bugging me to, to come and talk to everybody else. But he's like, you know, thank, you know, thank you for coming out. And I had him autograph a couple of things and uh, that was really cool. And that was when I was in uh, San Diego years back. He's a, he's genuinely loves what he does. He genuinely loves the characters he's created. He genuinely loves his fans and is appreciative of them. And the last Ronin is the kind of a culmination of, of the story that he had started with and a kind of what if of like, what if this, this had taken place and where could this have gone? Uh, and it's about the, the turtles, their family, their clan basically gets devastated by the foot and you have one turtle left and I'm not going to do any spoilers on here, uh, beyond, beyond really that. And it's just the story of, uh, that what happens from, from that and the journey that that character goes on, how the world would have been affected had the foot one essentially at least how New York had, would have been affected. And uh, one of the coolest things about it is like at the beginning of the comic book, you get that note from uh, Robert Rodriguez, which is the, the only director I would actually trust <laughs> to make a live action version of this. Uh, but uh, he talked about how influential the turtles have been for him and reading their comic books and how much he loved this comic book. And it's, it's a great intro. It's kind of like one of those things of, uh, you know, you're reading from somebody who has gone on to do very creative things in their life and have been very successful in it. And they're talking about how something else had influenced them in such a huge way to go and do their own thing. And that's what you, that's what they got with this. And that was kind of, I thought that was a, a cool intro. Anderson, what was your, what was your take on the whole thing? So yeah, listen. Okay, so I'm a huge TMNT fan. So I literally decided when I finally had time, I locked myself in my bedroom and read the book so nobody could disturb me. <laughs> um, yeah. So the story is basically the the Hirokosaki and the Yamato clans finally war ended, and the Hirokosaki clan won. Yep. And man, it does it get to a brutal ending. Uh, I was glad it was. It's a fresh story. It's a what if story. I like the fact that when you read this graphic novel, and I'm going to tell you listeners in my opinion, this is a must-pick-up graphic novel to read if that's what you're into. Yep. If you're a turtle fan or not a turtle fan, it's a really good story. And the there's two different art styles in the book. There's the one that's for the main storyline. The one for the flashbacks. And the flashbacks. And the flashbacks, that art style is actually a throwback to the original turtle comics. Yep. And that is just it was a great combination. The drawings, the art style... Just and I got the hardcover. Like I might have to pick up another one just to keep it keep in mint condition because this is something that's phenomenal in my opinion. Yeah. Story wise, I want more. I wouldn't I want more. Continuation. I finished this novel and I was happy with the ending, but I want more. Um, the introduction to a new character to this series, I loved. Typically, when you get a new character introduced just for one particular story arc, either most of the time they're just you, you forget about them. This time around, this is a character I want more of. Yeah, not everybody can be an Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who watch Stranger Things 4, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> um, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a continuation of it. I actually would like to see it and uh, see them go farther into what that kind of or that universe could could bring about. It's kind of like a you know, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see also stuff from uh, after the bomb, uh, that kind of stuff where you know a you know mutagen bomb goes off in New York, mutating the majority of the population, killing a large half or a large portion of it as well, and it creates this kind of uh, almost like a Mad Max kind of feeling, like a an post-apocalyptic feeling of uh, of a show or of a uh, environment with. The mutants and i would like to see something like with that as well but uh yeah i mean this this was this was kind of a return to form i feel for the uh the turtles it's listeners if you if you know anything about the teenage you know teenage mutant ninja turtles in comic book form they are not nickelodeon <laughs> so as uh, so if you follow the turtles turtles have always been different altered uh different dimensions but the original turtles the og was dark and serious Yep, and that's how this. That's what Vargo means. Return to form. This comic, there's not very much. I think there's maybe one or two pieces of comedy, but it's pretty much serious from start to finish. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it deals with tragic loss, uh, having to how people cope with that, and uh, the kind of the mental can you know mental state of a person that's dealing with the you know the entire loss of everything they knew. Um. So it's very interesting to go along or to, to go with that and how they this this one character reasons through a lot of things. And it's a very different personality that you're getting with this character than you normally would. Another thing that helps the story too is the villain. Yeah. This is a few occasions where you hate the villain from start to finish. Yep. And what I mean by that is if you watch Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, this character's probably at the same level as Umbridge. You hate this character from start finish yeah they're they're a character with no honor and that's the difference was between what the turtles have faced before in the past of they've dealt with they've dealt with deceitful characters and evil villains but their villains have always had a some some semblance of honor and this one has none zero fucks given is the, is the kind of character you're dealing with so it makes for a a villain that you're just like all right well this person's just a piece of shit <laughs> i hope they die like and you're you're gonna be rooting for that the entire time, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Anderson, I say highly recommend. Absolutely buy it. I uh, would recommend doing a hardcover because uh, if this is you know for me, this is gonna be a book I'm gonna go to probably at least you know once a year or once every two yeah, years. Re- I will re- definitely reread re- it. Year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there is. I a, think it's definitely graphic novel of the year for sure. Yeah. There's a YouTuber that put together a uh, a live action example of what one of the scenes could look like if they were ever to do a movie. Great job. I cannot remember the link right now, but uh, I'm pretty sure you could probably easily find it. Yeah, just type in last round in TMNT. Yeah. Listeners, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Remember, whether you're Solarian or Krogan, Geth or Corian, we'll keep you alive in the party. This is Vargo. Miles. Anderson. Keep on geeking on. We're out.